Nomai Haidemai, and welcome to the Reviving Hope podcast. I'm your host, Bronnie Tressler, and this is a place to find Christian hope for mental health challenges. This episode, I'm privileged to talk with my friend Lucy Morton about her journey through significant mental health challenges. We're going to talk about her journey to wellness and what has made for a great recovery. Lucy is a social worker with vast experience in the areas of mental health and addiction. She is currently working toward her PhD in health sciences, researching the experience of women with bipolar here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Oh, welcome, Lucy. It's so great to be having this conversation with you. Oh, thank you for having me, Bron. It's great to be here. Oh, you and I have known each other for quite some years. And over that time, I've been so encouraged to hear of your recovery journey. I know it will be valuable for people listening in to hear your experience and how you've found hope in life. So firstly, tell me a bit about yourself, where you're from and what you do. Firstly, I just want to say thank you for having me here. It's wonderful to be here, especially with all your hard work. And I've been very encouraged by your journey also. So um, I'm grateful to be a part of this. Um, Yeah, so my name's Lucy and I'm from Aotearoa. I am 39 years old. And I guess the facets that make up my identity would be that I'm the youngest of eight children. I'm an auntie. I have 12 incredible nieces and nephews. <laughs> I'm a friend. I have very close set of amazing people that support me. Um, I'm a social worker, like you say. I love to help people who are experiencing pain and distress. I'm a PhD student. Um, I'm a struggling artist. I love to paint. And I have bipolar. I was diagnosed 21 years ago. Oh, thanks for sharing that, Lucy. That's okay. It's a big thing to, um, you know, for some of us, it's something that we haven't shared with others. Definitely. It really helps others to hear that as well. Mm. I like all your interests. You've got so many. (laughs) (laughs) And I know you like op shopping as well. I love op shopping. Don't get me started. (laughs) I can add favourite op shops at the end. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, so you've had a significant uh, mental health journey beginning when you were a young person. Yes. Can you tell me about what happened for you when you became unwell? Sure. So when I was 17 years old, um, I had been experimenting with cannabis and hallucinogenic drugs. I wasn't mm-hmm. raised in a Christian home. <laughs> um, I was at Hagley High and I was working part-time job at, um, at the nights. I stopped sleeping and potentially... Um, over the course of a month, I started to lose my mind. Mm. Reality shifted for me. Uh, I began to think that God was talking to me through the television. Um, Looking back, I was engaging in some really risky behaviors, walking around town at night, um, giving my clothes away, engaging with all kinds of strangers. Um, But by the grace of um, God, nothing awful happened to me over Mm. that time. But on the day that I was admitted to the psychiatric unit, I was walking around town fully convinced that I could buy anything I wanted with a bus transfer. (laughs) And there was no denying at that moment that I was having a manic episode with psychotic features. So I spent eight months in inpatient care then where Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed and put on lithium and cutiapin to sleep. Um, And 10 years after that, I had my second episode involving 
um, a mania that lasted a year followed by a depression that lasted two years to recover from. Mm. I think, I believe the older you get, the harder it is to recover. Mm -mm. Mm. You've made a remarkable recovery, Lucy. What are some of the things that have helped you get through? Um, I think, like you say, I think that after a manic episode, your brain is completely fried. And alongside that, you're also overwhelmed with huge emotions, shame, Mm -hmm. guilt, embarrassment, and remorse. And for me, it was clear, I I find it's completely understandable why people would choose to end their life in this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Because your mind's a prison, and you literally cannot escape from it. So, in this time, a huge element of my recovery has been having people around me that can speak kind words mm-hmm. from a place of wisdom, not judgment. That is everything because you don't trust your own mind because of everything you've been through. Mm-hmm. So constantly saying awful things to yourself. So to have somebody who's kind and loving to say, you know, that's not true um, uh, or this time will pass Um is everything, I think, in my recovery. So having people around me. Um, I've been fortunate to have people like this in my life and um, and they said mantras to me that I've held with to this day, like, you know, this too shall pass, mm-hmm. or one of my favourites, who makes all the rules. <laughs> um or it's just not always going to be like this or time will change this or one of my favorite ones is you know nevertheless she persisted so um Mm, that's good that you know despite everything that's going on we persist out of a place of strength so yeah like I say my recovery has definitely been about um having supportive friends and family and I've been fortunate to have people in my waka who have jumped in since I was about the age of 17 and are still paddling with me, um, who see me in my potential, not in my deficit state. Um, but we've also had a lot of laughs. And for me, humour is everything. And I think having the ability to laugh at the fact of me running around town paying for things with a bus transfer, <laughs> you have to laugh. <laughs> but at the time, you can't laugh, you know, because it's so hard. Yeah. But being able to laugh, I think, is a good thing. And then walking and nature and, for me, creativity and painting are all fundamental aspects of my recovery and yeah, hanging out with children and just seeing how they see the world. They're not worried about big, you know, big thoughts and big feelings. They're just in the moment. So mm. being reminded of that mindfulness principle, I think, is good. Because in that moment, all that other stuff's not there, you know. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's good to hear you talk about it. I think something that stands out for me in that, Lucy, is um, how having a bipolar episode and maybe you know especially the first it might mm. be same for others too but having um you know those feelings of shame humiliation definitely and just having i mean i i, I don't know i was i think i was a reasonably confident person before yes. this happened to me yep. but um afterwards just yeah it's a brain event isn't it and definitely my confidence was just so low. So having those people that, yeah, can build you up with their words is Definitely. just so important. 
definitely yeah it really attacks your self-worth who you thought you were you know all of those things but you know what was black and white before is very gray Mm -hmm. yeah so to have someone that has a bit of certainty and that you can trust is everything eh? Mm -hmm. Mm. definitely Mm. so something that I guess everyone knows but it's just good to talk about is that we all have to work at our recovery definitely other people are helpful they can say things to us that strengthen us but we actually have to do the paddling too don't we that's exactly right um so what did you do Lucy what are some of the things that stand out for you that you did to help in your recovery sure so I think for me and thinking about Te Whare Tapawha um for me definitely acknowledging Fenua or nature yeah, has been huge. So for mm-hmm. me, getting out for a big walk is something that allows me to process those fast thoughts or those thoughts that are coming at me in a pace that is um, manageable. And um, you know, going for a big drive, something about being in the car and moving, it's like you're moving past, I don't know, that probably doesn't make sense, but you're moving past all your thoughts, nothing's staying stagnant. So being out, seeing nature, seeing the hills, you know, and being mm-hmm. reminded of, you know, verses or whatever you're drawing on um, has been really, really helpful for me. Mm-hmm. And um, like I say, also Fano, of course, um, and drawing on people um, but like you say recovery is something that we do ourselves and we're all alone in moments and in those mm. moments I guess it's what we tell ourselves so journaling for me has been really positive um, affirmations mm-hmm. saying things and this is stuff that I do today not you know 10 years ago mm-hmm. like you say recovery is ongoing um, so it's something that I'm constantly engaging in to keep my mind well, um, mm. you know. And I think, I don't know whether all people with bipolar, but the majority of people I meet are definite thinkers, maybe overthinkers, yes. and can constantly sit down at the end of the day and go, you know, oh, why did that person say this? Or maybe they're saying this, or maybe they think that about me, or all of yeah. those thoughts just come flooding in. Um, and I guess it's being able to distract yourself in those moments. So go for a walk or, yeah, animals yeah. are helpful too. Just, yeah, they are. I think it's a small things, isn't it? It's nothing major or there's nothing, you know, new about the things that uh, help. But, yeah, for me, just those things have been really good yes. in my recovery. Mm. Yeah. Were there any things that, you know, I guess some of the well-known things that can be really hard and, and recovery is getting mm. out of bed or Definitely. doing those sort of um, ba- basic things yeah. that normally I find still find it hard to get out of bed. But yeah, um, definitely. You know, how was that in terms of some of those those things? Those things for you. I think um, for me personally, I've always. Um, operated with my bipolar more on those high vibrations so more of that kind of energy so that kind of thing getting out of bed or getting things done I've always had a high capacity to get a lot of stuff done in the day um so for me and my recovery it's been more about learning to wind down well Mm -hmm. shutting things off you know those basic not being on your phone and going through instagram late at night or those kind of things Mm -hmm. um you know, and I say that like I'm good at it, but I'm not. It's something I've got to <laughs> remind myself. Um, yeah. So 
so yeah for me it's kind of more that other end of the spectrum of actually choosing to pull back from people sometimes and Mm -hmm. having those introverted times um when maybe I want to be you know I know that if I'm hanging out with people when I'm overdone I'll just keep talking and talking you know and that kind of thing so I have to slow down for me is the thing Mm. yeah yeah some people need to speed up. Other yes. people slow down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I definitely have had times in deep depression where, um, you know, having a shower or getting dressed has been really, really challenging as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's hard, yeah. Um, so when we become well, and mm. you've kind of talked about this, yes. you know, we um, still need to maintain, you know, we haven't arrived. Yes. Somewhere we still have to maintain our wellness. Yes. Um, you know what you've kind of talked about this, but there are the other things that you continue to do to that Definitely. work at your wellness. Yes, for me, um, sleep is such a huge priority, and it's the first indicator for me when things are, you know, when the wheels could be falling off. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, sleep hygiene is really, really um, important. But of course, I rely on medication to sleep. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. Um, Sleep, watching my sleep patterns, being able to sleep obviously is really, really important and I'll I'll prioritise that. Not to the point where I'm weird about it because I don't want to get to that <laughs> point, but definitely. Yeah. And I have been weird about it in times before in my life, um, but I don't want to be too weird about it. Um, yeah, and then obviously all those other things, eating well, um, exercise, which I'm again saying I'm good at, <laughs> like I'm good at, but you know, having those things. Uh, another thing for me is always having goals that are in the future. For me, that takes me out of the moment, which sometimes isn't the best thing. But if I'm struggling to look towards something in the future, is everything. Mm. Um, and for me, you know, working towards a PhD or whatever it is I'm doing at the moment. Um, helps me to focus on the future rather than the now because sometimes the now's a bit much at times yeah mm-hmm. and you're doing that so well well <laughs> we'll talk about that more shortly um Lucy I just really admire your journey what you've done with your life experiences and how you're now helping others or you've been helping others for a long time mm. in this whole field of mental health and I think it's yeah really remarkable um you know, it's been, I know, almost 15 years of working in mental health addictions mm-hmm. area with mostly women mm-hmm. and youth. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought it'd be great to, you know, for people to hear more about what you do and um, particularly what your research for your PhD is about. Well, that's part one of my conversation with Lucy. I so appreciate her sharing freely about her recovery and keeping well. Do join us for part two to hear Lucy talk about how she's using her lived mental health experience to help others in the mental health field.